This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. listening to go talk with the goat doc coming at you now is going to be part two of so you think you want to have goats and i'm going to talk about uh mostly like general feeding and care for like different life stages of animals and things to think about in terms of that uh some of this stuff i think has been and probably a lot of this stuff i think has been covered in other episodes but i'm going to I think I'm going to try to approach this from more of like a lifestyle and like just like practical things to consider um, for a livestock ownership type uh, type approach rather than uh, specific maybe goat problems or things like that where I've talked about those kinds of things in other nutrition related episodes. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for bearing with me through, through the... Uh, year of upheaval which is 2020 uh, I've probably said it already but this year was going to be crazy for us anyway with our move and then COVID-19 has also like made everything insane Devin has said to me a couple times we need to do a Tales from the Farm and we just like we're just flat out crazy and um trying to have time to keep our sanity as well as keep the farm running and all the other stuff that we've needed to do this year um so yeah thanks for your patience thanks for bearing with me big many thanks to my patreon patrons who have uh, continued to support the podcast even though i'm being a wicked slacker on getting podcast episodes out there i think one of the things that has changed a lot is it's kind of nice living closer to civilization at our new location, but it really it cuts down on the amount of time I spend in the truck, and therefore it cuts down on the amount of time I spend with like a good stretch to record. When I record a podcast episode, it usually ends up being like 30, 35 minutes long total, but I usually need like an hour in the truck to record that because then I go back through and listen to it and cut out some of my babbling and tangents, and sometimes I repeat myself, and you don't need to listen to all that so um, it's hard when you have like a, a 25 minute drive to to work or instead of a 40 minute drive to work or um, a like you know just go into the store just go into the store before like going to the grocery store was like a 40 minute drive one way and now it's like a 15 minute drive one way so just like that logistical change in my life since we moved while it's really super nice as far as like I don't have to plan my whole day around going to run errands if I need to um it cuts into like the podcast recording time so we'll uh, we'll figure it out it's and then I'm never moving again so once it's figured out that won't be an issue anymore um 
thank I, I might have said it already but thank you guys all for listening um, thank you to the people who want to send emails and shout outs and um, say thank you for uh, the podcast because it makes me be like I gotta record podcasts and continue to do the thing uh, so your your communication is appreciated even if I don't get back to you um, I, I read it and it you know it is motivating so thank you uh, if you would like to send me an email you can reach me at goatdoccara at gmail.com you can find the website at goatdoc.com and click the contact tab. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at go underscore doc, where I have also been a slacker about posting stuff, uh, and I should try to get back on that. And a while ago, I was like, I got to do a giveaway because we met all these like number milestones, and haven't. I got to. I got to get on this. I'm gonna get a little bit more organized in my life in terms of this aspect of my life. I've fallen off the wagon. Got to get back on. The hardest part is starting or, or restarting. So we're, we're going to go. Um, I think those are the major ways to get in touch online. If you would like to uh, support the podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts or your po- favorite podcast player app and subscribe, rate, and review. That helps people to see the podcast and find it. Share with your goat-loving friends. Um, if you would like to go above and beyond and support the podcast uh, through Patreon, you can find that uh, through the Connect tab at my website, goatdoc.com, or through uh, just going to patreon.com slash goatdoc. And yeah, so I'm going to talk about... like general feeding recommendations for different life stages of goats and like practicalities of that and things to think about you know when you are keeping livestock in general I guess some of my experiences with that and things to consider as always this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform it is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet and i strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid vcpr veterinary and client patient relationship with your local vet so um care like nutritional care for goats different life stages things to think about um let's start with like lots of people get goats and they get baby goats because they're little and cute if you are and one thing to consider when you're getting young goats is are you going to get bottle babies or are you going to get weaned kids people think that it's a fun idea to get bottle babies um, of any kind and (laughs) it's a lot of work um we for our own kids we feed them three times a day like four times a day initially for the first week or two and then they graduate to three times a day um for probably longer than they need to be and then finally twice a day before they um, get to start weaning and over the years we've gotten more liberal with our feeding because we like kids to get big and get big fast Uh, logistically when you have are taking a bottle baby 
home, you need to have a plan for what that bottle baby is going to eat. And I have a way back, I think in 2018 or early 2019, somewhere in lower podcast episode numbers, there's an episode on goat kid nutrition. And I talk about what I like goat kids and bottle babies to eat. But like, got to have a plan for this when you bring them home. Um, I see not infrequently people are like, I want that, and they bring it home, and then it's like, what is what kind of milk does this thing drink? Um, if this is a baby that's been on mom, then it's going to be a challenging transition because you're going to be trying to transition a a damn raised kid to a bottle and you're going to be trying to potentially transfer uh, transfer it to a milk replacer too instead of uh, uh, goat milk which is a big change bottle babies can be super frustrating if they are not bottle babies from the start and that's part of the reason why we bottle feed our kids from the start and we don't really I mean I'm sure especially this year we probably missed a couple that were born in the middle of the night that managed to get milk from somebody and uh, once they are it kind of clicks in their little small brains that milk comes from this udder then it's harder to get them to accept a bottle. And it can be very, very, very frustrating, Uh, which is why we pull the kids and we start them on a bottle from the start. And even with pulling kids and starting them on a bottle from the start, they're kind of dumb sometimes. Um, They can be slow to figure it out. Um, Often you'll get them... In my experience with bottle kids, like brand new ones, there's a window of like maybe 30 to 60 minutes right after they're born where they'll latch right onto a bottle and then after that there's a period of about six to ten hours where they're going to be sleepy and dumb and they are not going to suck on a bottle and that's super frustrating and annoying because you're like you need to drink you need to get colostrum but you're being dumb about it um depending on what time of day it is sometimes i just tube feed these kids to get them colostrum and then I I don't have to worry about it. But typically, they figure it out, and you can see the light going on in their head, like a light switch, and they start sucking on the bottle, and they figure it out. This is exponentially harder if the light bulb has already, the light switch has already been flicked on an udder. Just I can't I can't emphasize enough how how much more frustrating it is to try to get a, a kid to accept a bottle after it's been on mom. They just don't get it, and they're set. Once that impression is there, they're set in their ways. Um, another thing that is uh, kind of like practically useful is if you have multi multiple kids and you're using a multi kid feeder and not individual bottles then we have start we have learned in our experience that it's easier to transfer them to the multi kid feeder sooner than later because the same thing they get stuck on the bottle and they're like that's where the milk comes from the milk does not come from anywhere else and when you try to get them on their multi-kid bucket feeder or hanging feeder, they just don't. They're stupid and stubborn and they don't want to do it. Um, so 
like I said, I have an episode on goat kid nutrition where I talk about uh, like what specifically I like goat kids to eat if they're bottle babies. But like, think about that ahead of time. If they're on a, rep- a milk replacer, you want to make sure you can get that same milk replacer. If they're on goat milk and you need to change them to a milk replacer, you want to do that slowly and gradually. Uh, and, and any diet changes should be done slowly and gradually and like planning ahead for this because it's uh, can cause GI problems, can cause you know stress for the for the kid. Moving to a new home is already going to be stressful for the kid. So uh, trying to minimize that by minimizing change in other areas of that kid's life is nicer. Uh, say like for kids and like all life stages of goats can have hay in front of them at all times and like I can't remember what episode it was but I feel like I've said before that it's really 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 hard if not impossible to overfeed hay to a ruminant they're gonna eat it and they're gonna eat and eat and eat and seem like they are you know, going to explode and then they're going to stop and then they're going to ruminate. And that's what they do. They're built to continually intake plant material so their rumen can break it down to energy producing molecules. And go check out uh, the couple episodes on the Ode to the Rumen for more info on the scientific background of that. The, um, we start putting hay in front of kids when they're like maybe a week old because they're going to nibble on it and I talk about this in the rumen episodes like they're going to nibble on it they're going to start to populate their gut with bacteria and that's what they need to do so give them good stuff to nibble on and get in their mouths and they're not going to be getting any meaningful nutrition from it but they should have it in front of them let's talk about hay like I just said like they should have it in front of them at all times and not all hay is created equal it's funny to me because like having grown up with horses it's like it's just like accumulated information to me from over time that like of how hay is produced in New England and it's probably it's I'm sure it's different in other parts of the world and in other parts of the country but like in New England we typically you know we have a growing season and then we have a dormant winter season where things aren't growing and like the hay growing season when I was growing up we typically expected to get two to three cuts of hay so that means if you're not if you're brand new to the world of hay and you're brand new to the world of livestock um it's like three different mowings of of hay and each one is going to be different because of the way the plants grow the first cutting of hay is typically a more it's a rougher textured forage um it tends to have more like seeds in it and that's not necessarily a bad thing for goats it tends to have more stalks and less leaf and if you do a hay analysis of it like a nutritional analysis of it uh, I would I would say in general it tends to be lower in protein that does isn't necessarily a bad thing um we 
for our animals, they're way too spoiled, and we only really, like, with a few exceptions here and there when we feed first cut hay, we really only fill our barn with second cut hay for these spoiled princesses, and, uh... It's kind of ridiculous. And this this is also the thing of like where people are like, oh, goats will eat anything. No, they won't. They're the worst hay wasters ever. And feeding them something they like, like, you might as well feed them what they like. Because if they don't like it, they're just going to throw it on the ground and waste it and waste your money buying it. So that's that's what we do. Um, getting back to the cuts of hay. So first cut hay, a little bit lower protein, a little bit rougher texture, more seeds, um, harder for whatever animal. So like I said, I grew up with horses, uh, horses, ruminants, whatever. Harder for the rumen or in the case of horses, like the hindgut fermentation to break down that lignin, that plant material to a meaningful energy source. Sometimes that's not a bad thing. Um, like in the winter, I, I have always personally felt like feeding some first cut hay in the winter seems to promote like the rumen to be more active because it's working harder and the animals are generating more heat and staying warm because of that really active rumen. The, um, for us during our milking season and when we're feeding our kids for growth, being on a second cut hay is, uh, even is preferable because we're looking for increased protein. So those animals have the increased, uh, energy resources to make more milk and for the kids to grow quickly by it's just the, the concentration of energy per mouthful of food more like like drinking protein shakes when you're working out you need those things so you can make the stuff you need to make um so first, second cut hay, first cut hay. Second cut hay tends to be more leafy. There's not a lot of seeds in it in general. Um, you don't have those like tassels like on the top of your Timothy hay or your orchard grass hay where there's like the seed pods, the tassels. Those are fewer, significantly fewer in a second cut hay or in a third cut hay. First cut hay tends to be like a more more volume of hay so like when the fields get cut you may get more bales or you're, you're gonna get more bales per acre of first cut hay the hay grows taller there's more volume you're gonna get more bales out of it but you're not gonna have the same amount of energy per bale of hay not the same amount of protein per bale of hay second cut hay you are going to have a, a fewer bales per acre um, the hay doesn't grow as tall it doesn't have those tall tassely seed pods uh, it's very leafy and soft in general um, and higher in protein if you're lucky and or at least in Maine if you're lucky um, further south you probably routinely get a third cut of hay and I feel like growing up, we not we pretty routinely had access to third cut hay, but that has changed with the weather and climate patterns. Weather patterns, climate change over my lifetime for sure. Um, and like this year, 
we're very fortunate at our new property that like we have a lot of groundwater we're near the start of a river um there's a lot of like spring activity on and near our property so our fields do quite well but most of maine right now is in a drought or borderline drought status which blows my mind because we still have water coming up out of the ground and very thankful for that whereas like last year it rained like the entire spring until like June and our our hay guy couldn't even get out on the field and our first first cut in Maine usually happens in like June July and he couldn't even cut our first cut until like August so first cut hay was taller than me it was like the grass was like six feet tall it was insane and this year it wasn't significantly less uh, smaller first cut this year because it got cut in a more appropriate and timely manner um the and and now we're, we're in a place where like second cut's gonna happen and that's that's okay for us with with our with our water situation it's kind of good What else to say about hay? Third cut hay is, is going to be like an even in Maine, again, like that your mileage may vary depending on where you are geographically and what your growing season is like. If you have a longer growing season, your ability to allow your forage to grow more between cuts like you just have more time for that than we do and we've got a a time pressure for ourselves we have generally until like october to get all the hay cut and in uh in order for the weather to cooperate and um be able to successfully get what we need um the so third cut hay again you get your big first cut you get a less fewer bales in a second cut and then in third third cut hay is going to be even finer and leafier i think you're probably looking at about the same protein concentration and nutritional concentration um, for a third cut compared to a second cut our third cut in New England tends to be smaller because we're having fewer daylight hours. We're having cooler temperatures. We have less time for that uh, grass to grow. And if you get a third cut, it's awesome if you do. It's usually really nice hay, uh, but it's going to be even fewer bales. Um, so that was a lot of talking. That was like beginner's crash course guide to what to expect from different cuts of hay from a person who is not a hay expert but who has grown up feeding or feeding animals that eat hay Um, from a practical logistical standpoint things to think about with hay how many animals do you have and how much hay are they eating and how can you optimize just like practically optimize hay purchase and storage for your animals i've talked a lot about in the rumen episodes about like the rumen does not like change the rumen adjusts to what it's eating and uh if you can keep that as stable as possible your animal your ruminant is going to thrive more than if you're always changing things up so in an ideal world um, 
your ruminant is eating the, a consistent thing all the time. And this is why, like, major commercial dairies with, you know, thousands of cows, they are eating what's called a TMR, which is a total mixed ration. It's forage. Um, it tends to be, like, some silage, some partially fermented hay, um, maybe some grains in there, mineral blend, protein from, like, soy or what have you. And it's all mixed together, and it's weighed out, and it's all these components that are usually custom blended on the particular farm. And it's made for consistency, to keep those cows, rumens, very happy so they continue to produce a consistent amount of milk. Goats, we tend to feed hay and grain to, more like horses. Um, I, it, it's just like a, a practicality thing. There are some, some farms that feed a TMR, but those tend to be like big commercial farms. It's something I've toyed with for our animals and probably something we'll do in the future, especially in the winter. Um, but just figuring out the logistics of it is a little bit challenging because it's not the norm. And any time you're getting out of the norm, it gets more uh, interesting to try to problem solve. But anyway, hay, in an ideal world, your goats, like, you get hay for them, and I would say you get enough hay to last a year in, in Maine, because we have to get through this year between growing seasons, you get enough hay to last the year, you feed them the same hay that's cut from the same field at the same time for that entire year. So it's very, very consistent, there's not a lot of change, you don't worry about uh, GI disturbance from your hay, and that's great. You can. You don't have to think about it too much if you're able to do that. So what does hay need? Hay needs a place that's dry for storage. Um, and, like, usually this is outside. Uh, you know, ideally there's not going to be a lot of access to from pests to get into the hay but reality is reality and like probably like birds and rodents and stuff or bugs are going to get in there to a certain extent but mostly making sure that the hay is dry and not getting wet and thereby having a place to produce mold that's probably like the most important thing for your hay and having enough space to store enough hay for the year how much hay do your goats eat? It depends on your goats to a certain extent. It depends on what else your goats are eating to a certain extent. Do they also have access to pasture? Do they also have access to forage? Are they also getting grain? Because all of those things matter in terms of how much hay they're eating. What kind, what kind of goats are they? Are they? Uh, boar goats, Nubian goats, big full-size dairy breeds are going to eat more hay than miniature you know, Nigerian dwarf goats and pygmy goats and the little guys. Figuring out how much hay they eat, trying to keep it all consistent is, is great if you can do it. And it's important to, for like the optimum health of that animal. I talked about hay a lot. <laughs> Nutrition might have to go into a two-parter. Um, hay and water. Uh, let's talk about water, too, while we're on the really, really basic things. Water, clean, fresh water will promote your goats to drink more, and they should want to freely drink 
water and not have any hesitation about it because they think it's dirty or warm or somebody pooped in it or it's dusty, something fell in it, blah, 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 whatever their little princess minds think is wrong with the water. We want to avoid that. So they drink plenty of water. Um, Ruminants produce they need lots of water because they're especially if they're eating hay um, they need water to to go into the rumen to help break down that hay the rumen itself has a lot of fluid in it um, which obviously settles to the bottom it's part of that rumination process for that uh, forage to stay wet for that microbe environment to work Um, it's not going to work if it's dry everything is just going to dry out and die the uh, what works well for waterers Um, we have in the new barn we have put in an automatic water that's it's a richie water it's um, like two little basins that consistently fill with water um, based on like a float it's like a toilet bowl float you know the thing the water level goes down the float goes down it opens the valve and the thing fills back up with water with the number of goats we have and that's just there's just one of those in the in the doe barn and oh my god it's been life-changing like the just that there's fresh clean water there for those does all the time they love it they go to it it's fresh it's cool i think they like drinking out of it and the and then the um like the running of the water it's like a water fountain and they like that um other things i've heard positive feedback about are um like nipple waterers so those are like full-on water fountains for goats and the water is always going to be clean and fresh and not have any like really very very minimal ability or opportunity to get contaminated by uh stuff falling in it because there's not a reserve place for uh, stuff to sit around it's just a, a nipple waterer that you do have to train your animals to to use like they have to uh learn that that's where the water comes out but you know goats they tend to put their mouths on everything so once they figure that out you should be pretty good to go um most I would say probably most people with a few goats a few being like probably 20 or less have some kind of like water trough system or bucket system that is replenished on a regular basis I do and I should like do some math and thinking about this but uh you know like figuring this out on a on an individual animal or individual herd basis is a good idea because uh, in terms of like how big should that water vessel be and it should be big enough that your animals your group of animals your individual animals however they are housed or separated in a pasture or group or pen or whatever um, you provide you're able to provide enough water for like a 12-hour period basically because we tend to do chores i think most people tend to do chores on a twice daily basis and um you like if you're replenishing water twice a day you want to make sure that that animal has enough water for 12 hours um 
and if it's five animals, you need to make sure that those five animals have enough water for 12 hours. Is this in buckets? Is it in a big trough? Is it in an old bathtub? Doesn't matter too much to me as long as it's clean for 12 hours and that it's not such a volume of water that like... You're going to look at it and be like, oh, it's still full and it looks fine. I'm just going to leave it how it is. Because humans, we tend to be lazy. And if I look at a tub of water and I'm like, oh, it's it's there, it's full. You know, they didn't drink. They must not be thirsty. But, like... I want, I want it to not be a pain to refill it, basically. So uh, I'm trying to think of an example to try to explain and get my point across here. Like, if I have 10 does in a paddock, I am not going to provide them with a bathtub full of water and fill it to the top and leave it for a week. Uh, it is much better to provide them maybe with like 15 gallons of water whether that's in multiple five gallon buckets or like a smaller trough that I can easily dump out whatever's left at the end of the day something that's going to make my life easier for them to have water that is refreshed and replenished at least every 12 hours because like that big bathtub full of water like there's no way those 10 does are going to drink that whole bathtub full of water in 12 hours and then I'm going to look at it and be like okay well there's still a bunch of water there I don't want to dump it out especially when you know we're in like a drought stage like I said it's not as big of a concern for us where our specific location is but it can be a very significant concern um and like I don't want to dump you know, 50 gallons of water on the ground just because it needs to be changed. It's more work. It's more waste. But if that water just sits there, it's going to not be as appealing to those animals and they are not going to drink it. Like, period. Um, you know, if you have does in milk, the more water they're drinking, the more milk they're going to be able to make, the better their rumens are going to function. Like, there's, there's so many reasons to do that. So, like, you can't really get away with... I mean, maybe you can get away with it, but it is not optimal for the animals to be like, here's this giant vat of water, and that's what you get for the week. Unfortunately. Sounds nice, but doesn't really work out that great for for the animals by the end of the week if it's sunny if it's hot you're gonna have algae in there you have bugs in there nobody's gonna want to drink out of that so um, figuring out a system that works for having fresh water available all the time is important um Okay, so I have spent longer than I thought was going to be possible talking about hay and water for goats. Um, I don't know how helpful it's going to be. Um, it's definite, I definitely feel like some of this is a little bit basic, but maybe it's helpful if you're new to the world of haying in particular. Um, and uh, just like the practical considerations for 
for your goats. Um, what? I'm gonna take a minute and think of like maybe some like pro tips here for for things. Yeah, let's talk about this. I got a couple um, things that I have found that um, make your life easier as far as hay and water. Um, hay, as far as hay goes, like there's a million iterations of goat feeders out there. Like I said before, goats are like super wasters of hay. As soon as it touches the ground, they're not going to touch it. It's poison. And uh, how do you keep them from putting their poopy feet in it? And how do you keep them from taking a big mouthful and dropping half of it on the ground? All of these things. Um, what has worked well for us over the years? So, re, like, it is suboptimal to just throw hay on the ground. Um, they're going to stand on it. The hay on the ground is going to have opportunity to pick up parasite eggs, which are then going to have the opportunity to infect your animal. Um, I am a strong advocate for feeding hay in feeders off the ground. When we moved um, early this spring, this past spring slash this past late winter, we made a bunch of um, elevated hay feeding uh, like mangers for the goats to be able to get their heads in but not get their feet in and try to minimize hay waste. And we still get a, a, some hay waste. Like, there's always going to be some hay waste. But um, the feeders that are up off the ground, a couple different designs of how to actually hold the hay um, has really cut down on our hay waste and helps promote the feed staying clean. Um, we did the ones, I, th- I don't, I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast before. Um, Premier One is a fencing supply company. <laughs> they, uh, this is not sponsored by them in any way, but they have a free plan for their hay feeders on their website. And we built a bunch of those this past winter and we've been quite happy with them. Um, so far, for the most part, they've held up to goat, Nubian size goat abuse. And uh, that's going pretty well. Um, so that's one thing that we use. Another thing that can be useful with some caveats, um, the nice thing about those feeders is that, like, so far the goats have largely not managed to destroy them, um, and so far also they have not managed to hurt themselves on them, which is nice because those are things that goats will do. I've probably said it before, but, like, goats like think of the worst thing that they could do and um assume that they will do that first do not assume that they will work up to it assume that they will be like what is the worst thing i can do and they will do that directly they will not hesitate they will not pass go they will not collect two hundred dollars they will go directly to the the worst most aggravating thing um because that's how they roll um, so those those Premier One feeders have held up quite well for us, and no one has managed to hurt themselves on them as of yet. Uh, the other thing that we use uh, is hay nets uh, to cut down on hay waste, in particular for the goat kids, because their heads are smaller, right? So they can get their heads into things and then pull hay out of things more easily because their heads are smaller they can pull more stuff out and waste it basically um so we have a few different a couple different types well basically a couple different sizes of hay nets um the thing that they have in common is that they are all like the small size opening they're a finely 
hide net the openings are like an inch square or an inch and a half square or something like that the um you can get hay nets of all different types and sizes you can get hay bags that have like one big hole in them um the, we find that the the small openings on the hay nets cut down on the hay waste the most and also are probably probably less likely to um, cause problems for the goats because they're less likely to get their feet stuck in them they're less likely to get their heads stuck in them because that can be a problem with hay nets as they certainly can um, cause injuries you can have like I have had clients tell me that they've had goat kids hang themselves on hay nets Um, they can get their their limbs stuck in them and injure themselves it's like they're not without risk if they're not used correctly those small um, slow feeding nets with the small openings tend to cut down on their ability to get tangled up in them Um, the other thing that I like to do is uh, fill the hay net with hay and then put the hay net up in a rack like a bigger uh, for kids you know a hay rack with big openings is going to lead to more waste but you can fill your hay net and put it up in the rack so then again that cuts down on the likelihood of them getting stuck in it Um, so those those are a couple of hay pro tips there um What have I got for water pro tips? Um, I think I kind of talked about it being having the water be clean and fresh as much as possible. Um, Don't have, at least for me, when I have goat kids, uh, you know, we tend to group them maybe a half a dozen at a time in a group because when they get to be more than a half a dozen at a time, they turn into monster zombies and they're more obnoxious um so we try to group them in small groups for the most part when they're when they're in the barn or um and they're like intermediate housing before they go out to the pasture whenever we have to interact with them on a on a meaning like a a more individual level we try to keep them in groups of a half a dozen or less and i'm not going to put a big a big bucket of water you know eight gallons of water in with a group of five goat kids because they're just not going to drink that much throughout the course of the day we have different size buckets for different size goats Um, so the goat kids have little ones because they just have less intake and that bucket is easier for me the small bucket is easier for me to lift up and dump out there's less waste um and that's good um we love our, our Richie waterer. There's different waterers that, you know, function differently. Um, like I mentioned before, uh, cool water in the summer, warm water in the winter will promote uh, more increased water consumption. If you have weathers or bucks, it's very important that they have no hesitation about drinking their water because uh, adequate hydration is going to maintain their urine output it's going to help them not have to concentrate their urine to save water and um, that is going to help them be less predisposed to urinary calculi Uh, go listen to the episode on urolithiasis for more info about that but drinking water is good everybody stay hydrated and 
I think that's kind of it for for this part and then the next part will be like so you want to keep goats nutrition part two and I'll talk about grain and additives and minerals and things I see people do and things that I tried and I don't do anymore I don't think it is necessary blah 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 um gonna have another part about like making sure you get healthy animals um and then I've been thinking about this series of episodes even though like I haven't been recording I've been a slacker but there's definitely gonna be a part the last part of this series is gonna be like devil's advocate like why should you not get goats because I think everybody who has livestock sometimes is like oh my god I wish I didn't have this livestock and that's that's gonna be the, the final episode um but I think I've talked enough about this for now and uh, I'll get it out there and hopefully record some more on my way home from this call that I'm headed to. Thank you guys for listening. Hit me up with your questions and I will talk to you next time. Bye.